you're an early stage Web3 founder, apply to our award-winning accelerator program, Basecamp at outlierventures.io slash Basecamp. We write your first $50,000 check and give you access to 200 mentors, including many of the leading Web3 founders, and a network of 1,000 of the world's leading investors and exchanges. We've helped over 30 startups from 15 countries from all around the world, raise $130 million in growth funding, and can help you fast-track product market fit and, where relevant, the launch of your token economy. So today I'm really happy to welcome Jordan Lyle, um, product lead of DeFi at Consensus. And, well, we're going to get into this. Protagonist, founder, co-founder, creator of Don't Buy Meme or Meme Token. Welcome to the show, Jordan. Hey, Jamie. Great to be here. Thanks a lot. So I'm really excited to have you on the show for several reasons. Um, maybe for the audience to explain Meme it's described as allowing you to farm limited edition NFTs. As I said, it's going to be interesting to unpack, you know, your role in all of this. I would, I would call you a founder, maybe a co-founder. Um, but again, you know, what is the role of an individual initiator in, in something as complex as social as, as meme? Um, I'm looking forward to, to discuss, but you've always been very upfront in kind of all the, marketing, non-marketing out there, you know, don't buy meme, um, that this is high risk edge case experiment. Um, and, uh, you know, described as an experimental protocol, mashing up some of the, the most exciting innovations, both in DeFi and crypto collectibles. You yourself are a serial technology entrepreneur, product manager, product designer, um, crypto investor and builder and and you describe yourself as being passionate about bringing design and usability to crypto and what i'm increasingly calling this consumerization consumification of, of crypto taking it to the masses making web3 crossover and so i think the more we context your background and unpack that i think uh, it's really obvious that that you are the kind of person that that can make this happen at least contribute to, to the cause um so reasons on the show meme token is is the new hot thing even in a world of kind of hyper hot new things um this is of course october 2020 for people that might be listening to it at a different time DeFi moves quickly um and could be said to be a continuation or evolution of what's been going on with uh, DeFi uh, food protocols but more importantly, I think an example of this new trend of how DeFi and NFTs, non-fungible tokens and decentralized finance are beginning to combine, merge. Um, I would see NFTs as a subset of DeFi and, and we're starting to see not just in meme, but in things like Ave Gotche, these, these two things being combined. Um, I think it also offers a glimpse as NFT as, as loyalty, as a loyalty mechanism both in the context of DeFi and more generally, and that's kind of a thesis that I'm noodling on at the moment. So I'm really looking forward to um, riffing with you on that. And um, the project's doing really well. I mean, how old is it at, at this stage? It uh, kind of kicked off, um, let's see, August 14th. So, um, and, and really, you know, we hit mainnet 10 days later. So depending on when you want to start the timer, it's been wow. about six weeks. That's insane. And so price is like $302. 
market caps just over six million. It's probably gone up since um, since I last looked. Um, but what's really interesting about this this journey, this founder journey, this founder experience is that you're still working out a consensus. So this was really like a, a side thing. Um, stemming from a, a tweet that you put out there that kind of manifest this this crazy experiment. Um, and so it's going to be interesting to understand this in the context of the work that you do at Consensus. And um, it's a separate thing, but of course, I guess, related. Um, so as I said, you're, you're a serial founder, you've even had an acquisition in there, and you've got a very strong kind of digital advertising agency background, which again, I think probably lends itself to why you understand the power of memetics and, and social media and virality. Um, to quickly summarize your background, to con contextualize you, um, so you did business management back in, uh, graduated in 2005 at California State University, Fullerton. Um, from 2004, 2011, had various roles in online media, advertising, digital advertising. I believe your first startup that you co-founded was in 2011 right for bit digital yeah correct we were really just like an agency um web development agency with some some several you know larger um media companies right and then you did a spin out called hello santa i don't know if that's the same team from full bit digital working on it uh, where you were head of product and co-founder um and this was uh offering live one-on-one -on -one video calls with Santa. My seven-year-old daughter would love that. And it got acquired by Jib Jab in 2014. And it's funny when I was looking at this, like I, um, I, I've i definitely had something, some engagement with Jib Jab at some point. It set off a load of alarm bells and I, I'm still struggling to, to recall them. But um, could you tell us a little bit more about Jib Jab? It's like a digital subscription product, right? Yeah, they do a number of things now, but that's kind of their their main product is this um, digital subscription product where you're able to send these you know greeting cards, electronic greeting cards, and they were kind of made famous uh, with like Elf Yourself, and you're able to put your face and the, and the faces of your friends and family into right. animated elves dancing on the screen, and and they've turned that into over the years they've turned that into uh, a nice kind of subscription business. Um, but they, they've really been, they, they go back to like 1999. So they've been, they've been around a long time. They're the pioneers of the, the digital media stuff. And they were, you know, had, had different hits over the, over the decades. And they've been writing the, each wave of tech um, as it's come. But it, they, they kind of pioneered the internet meme. So I don't think it's a, I don't think it's too much of a, a stretch to imagine myself here at the uh, intersection of tech, media, and jokes um yeah right yeah so just to just to kind of um go back to what you mentioned earlier when we we had this business called Forbit digital where we were where we were servicing other clients building other people's product ideas and it, it came to a point where it was like you know this isn't fun building other people's vision we have our own ideas too and one day we said hey wouldn't it be cool if our kids could talk to santa uh, online without going to the mall um this was in 2013, uh, so things looked a little bit different back then. Um, but we fired all our clients and created this digital Santa business. And as, as crazy as this meme stuff is, like the, the Santa stuff was, was even stranger. We, we, we literally fired paying clients 
and we went and we started hiring Santas. And we built this, we built this infrastructure that would allow, you know, a mom and a dad on an iPhone um, anywhere in the world to have this live interactive video call with with Santa's sitting, uh, you know, this this Santa actor sitting in their home with a green screen behind them. We hired a few dozen Santa actors and we put we gave them suits and we gave them beards if they needed one. And we built this mobile app and we built this infrastructure that allowed for, you know, the routing of calls. Uh, it was this this crazy ride where we, uh, you know, we were on TechCrunch, we were on the Today Show, uh, which is a big show here in the U.S. Um, it, again, it was like similar vein to what's happening now on the on the meme side. In just several months, we went from like a silly idea to like appearing on the biggest talk show in the US. Um, it was crazy. And then shortly after that initial like independent uh, launch, then JibJab acquired us right away. And it was great to kind of marry the two, the vision that JibJab had, the, the, you know, the, the, the families, um, we tapped into their subscription, their, their base, and uh, we were able to continue that for another season or two. And then, then, then um, kind of, slowly brought that down and then I went to work for for JibJab, stayed there for a few years and and got to learn that subscription business and learn from the founders directly and and had a great time doing it. Um, and that was that was quite a ride. And now we're starting to see, especially with COVID, the the desire for families to like still have the Santa experience but stay at home. So we might have been a little early with that. I mean we we had some success there. Obviously we were able to uh, so business, but um, I think this I'm starting to see some copycats uh, this year with, back, uh, yeah. with COVID. So it's <laughs> so it's pretty cool. I, I wish them success because it's it, it's a cool experience for everybody. Bring back Hello Santa. So so you were doing um, your product lead at JibJab's digital subscription product for about four years, um, for what I could see, um, and then you made the leap into into crypto and i don't know how to pronounce this is it total it's total yep yeah okay there you go um so you were chief product officer um and that was uh, 18 to 19 um and that was a platform for crypto asset trading consumer focused products and building out kind of apis what was the what made that leap that transition from from jibjab into your first kind of crypto gig yeah, you know, I was just on the sides, just this passionate product builder, and I'd gone down the the crypto rabbit hole, so to speak, for uh, for a few years now, and I was building side projects and you know passion projects and just really involved from like, in like a hobby perspective. It was an interest of mine. Um, Ethereum started getting popular, and I started just you know i jumped in and i'm like this is amazing bitcoin was great but as a product person my eyes just totally lit up with uh the potential all the, all the things we could build on top of ethereum using smart contracts and as a, as a, someone just super curious someone always trying to build um tools and experiences it was like wow we could actually do something here it's more than just sending money peer-to-peer -peer. we could actually build a, a banking infrastructure we could build some fun games we could build so many cool experiences on top of Ethereum. And I had some success with uh, some small side projects. So I was like, you know, I'm going to be spending nights and weekends building on Ethereum. 
I may as well go in full time. And um, I, I ran into the guys at Total and I, they, they've got some really cool tech. They've got some really smart people, but they hadn't really cracked the nut on product and user experience. And I thought that being my background, I would bring in some, uh, some value there and be able to complement with the, what, what, what they were doing. And, uh, and I was right. Um, I joined the team there in 2018, early 2018. And um, they're still around. They're, they're doing great. And they're, uh, they're a DEX aggregator. So various decentralized exchanges. They were one of the first to kind of pull the liquidity together and provide a single interface for that, the, the decentralized exchange liquidity. Very cool. So then uh, July 2019 to now, you joined Consensus as product lead um, for DeFi. What a hire by Joe. Um, was, he in, was he involved in that process? I mean, that, that's got to be the hire of 2020 or the hire, hire of 2019. Oh, you're too kind. No, I, I, Joe wasn't involved in the hiring process, but um, I think that that made a lot of sense for me too, is to like, hey, DeFi is this hot new thing. Why wouldn't you want to be a consensus which has their hands in everything and um, just has the resources to kind of to kind of experiment? So that was that made sense for me to make that leap. Well, whoever's in the HR team at Consensus definitely gets a bonus this Christmas. Um, so uh, maybe we kind of move into the, the thing is to understand meme. You first need to understand quite a few other things. You need to unpack a few other things. So. Um, on the one hand, you need to understand what's going on in the world of NFTs and collectibles, um, almost as a continuation evolution of CryptoKitties. And on the other hand, you kind of need to orientate yourself with um, the whole uh, DeFi 1.0 or kind of you know food protocol craze. Relatively recently, I don't know if it was short-lived or you know, it, it's kind of just going through an evolution. But could you could you just contextualize those those two things as you see it, and what was interesting to to you and presumably consensus about about those two two trends? Sure. Yeah. As mentioned, you know, I'm still employed by consensus. I am a, a product lead uh, within the DeFi, you know, vertical realm, um, and I've built a number of projects. Been on you know, leading various teams. And the common thread is how do we make DeFi more accessible? And, um, you know, one of the projects that we launched was the DeFi score. And it was like, it really, it really can be boiled down to what is a, what does a ratings agency look like on the blockchain? Uh, so it was a way to kind of, um, obfuscate some of the complexities of these decentralized exchanges and analyze risk uh, across these DeFi protocols. And it was like, so step one would be, let's try to standardize the risk, knowing that, you know, in the long run, we make this experience a little bit easier for the user. Step one is, let's try to boil down and kind of standardize the risk profile for these different lending pools and exchanges and experiences. We can't expect an average user to jump in and read the smart contract of all these platforms. We need to find a way to still, still objectively, but analyze and still, still in this decentralized way, but analyze um, why one platform has an APY of X and another of Y, why, why is there a difference? And um, 
what are the different risks, whether be it smart contract risk, volatility risk, um, Oracle risk. So we boiled that down to a single digit and we, we've been kind of pushing that forward in, in this kind of community focused way. So anyways, and everything that I've done at Consensus has been about bridging the gap towards a more general audience, right? And not just the, the DeFi heads or not just the, crypt, the ETH heads um, that are currently trading and lending and using these protocols. So even though like our, our immediate audience are these folks, we're eating our own dog food, as they say, uh, but with, with kind of this longer term vision, we're aimed at a general audience. And um, so that's kind of been my, been my thing throughout this, throughout these years. And um, it just so happened to be that we found the intersection in this crazy upside down accidental way where we found this intersection where DeFi intersects where DeFi meets um, NFTs. And it was kind of the serendipitous magical moment where we stumbled upon this. But uh, we, we really found that NFTs are, even though when, you, when many of us think of NFTs, we think of crypto collectibles and art and cartoon kitties or whatever, wherever your mind takes you, but there's so much more. And that's just kind of the use case that's kind of um, found favor, so to speak now. Uh, but there's so many other cool things that this technology can do, provable ownership of digital assets, that I think it's really going to help bridge the gap and bring on, you know, in the long term, bring aboard millions of and millions of you know web two audiences over to this web three world. So I'm really excited to be at this at this unique point in time and this unique intersection of tech. Yeah. So what really excites me about NFTs is that uh, if you look at you know the use cases of fungible tokens in the context of cryptocurrencies there's only so many people on the planet the global population that would ever go and buy go to an exchange and buy a cryptocurrency um, and, and care about what that represents whilst in the context of non-fungible tokens um, pretty much everything other than things like money and some commodities are non-fungible um, so there's a huge variation of use case but as you say, the kind of thin end of the wedge that we're looking at now, collectibles, digital art, you know, they're highly visual. Um, they are you know, eye-catching, shareable. Um, they are almost social assets that can be shared within existing Web2 communities um, and bring in a whole new kind of class of user. And so, I mean, I guess what you're doing um, with meme and as an experiment is really is trying to tap into the ability of NFTs as a, as a social currency. Is, is that kind of how you see it? And it'd be good to understand, you know, you say this all started with a tweet, you know, tell us more about the tweet and kind of in your mind, what is the experiment about? Yeah, well, the tweet, we'll start with the tweet. So as mentioned, my background is in, is within DeFi and specifically DeFi risk, right? So I have this, you know, this, this background and, um, by day, that's what I'm working on at consensus. And by night, I'm a, I'm a trader. I'm a, I'm a yield farmer. I like to get involved. And as a product person, I like to try out all the different products and experiment with different things. So it's, it's this nice, you know, balancing act of like wanting to protect the average user, but I am, you know, I have a, a different tolerance for risks because I want to kind of experiment and get involved. 
Um, so when this when this all happened six or seven weeks ago, uh, it seems like forever ago in DeFi it was. This was mid-August. Uh, this was right after YAM had launched. This is right after the uh, CRV token and all the contracts were launched by a anonymous DeFi Chad person on Twitter. <laughs> and um, this base based had just launched. Uh, this whole rebasing mechanism was was taking taking on. Um, it was a really weird time, you know. Test and prod by Andre and Yearn. This was this was before sushi and before pasta and before all these food coin clones. That uh, it it was really just commentary on this YOLO development nature by a lot of these DeFi protocol devs. And it was like, hey, long term, we want to make this more accessible to users. Until then, let's just throw stuff against the wall and see what happens. So it was, it was commentary on just kind of the silliness of it all, with a little bit tongue in cheek because I'm involved. Um, so that what the tweet was actually was this fake product mock-up that I had made. So I designed this fake product. I said, wouldn't it be funny if there was a essentially like a WordPress for DeFi protocols where you could spin up a DeFi platform in as little as five minutes. And that was the joke. So it was this interface where you click a couple buttons, you say, okay, I want the, I want the compound governance contract and I want the ample fourth rebasing contract. And I want the synthetics staking contract. And you pick, you pick your food emoji and you launch it to mainnet and you deploy on the spot and you pre-mine and then you deploy. So it was this joke and there are lots of Easter eggs in there, but the whole thing was poking fun at like, hey, these, these guys are just mashing up existing contracts. And the, the joke is that these are battle tested because they've been used on other platforms. And even though that we're mashing them up, you don't need to worry about risk. And once launched millions and millions, tens of millions of dollars go into these pools, hundreds of millions of dollars enter some of these pools without an audit. Um, and it was commentary on that, that like, this is, this is pretty crazy. We're, we're, this is all one big experiment, but we're all pretending that this is just magical internet money going into these contracts before we've even looked at what these contracts do. Um, so that was, that was a tweet. And um, I thought it would take off. And it just so happened to be that in this, in this little design, in this mock-up, I had chosen the pineapple emoji as the example in the dropdown of the of this fake product. I just just happened to choose the pineapple, um, and I, I thought some people would retweet it. I thought certain people would get a laugh. It ended up being quarter million impressions later, and uh, this thing went viral. Ethereum people loved it because it kind of because it kind of poked fun at ourselves. Bitcoin people liked it because they thought I was making fun of Ethereum. <laughs> and uh, so Maxis on both sides just had a blast. It, it really took off. And I'm sitting there, it's the middle of the night, my, my, my time on a Friday night. And I'm, this is just gaining traction. I said, I should take, I should, I should utilize some of this momentum. So I created a telegram group with the only the intention of Let's have let's have a laugh. Let's get some people in this Telegram group that get this joke. Some of the people in the DeFi space, some friends of mine, 
maybe we can talk about what this looks like and maybe we can go build out the product that I had uh, jokingly designed. Um, but things, things kind of took, <laughs> took life of its own and the community had different ideas, but I, I created this Telegram group, a bunch of people jumped in brainstorming different ideas. Someone said, hey, let's create a token for this community that's being built. Uh, token was created and airdropped to early members of the community. And it was, was kind of branded, hey, this is all a joke. This is all a meme. Let's call it the meme token. And it was airdropped to a few dozen people. And at the time, there was nothing there. That was really just a joke coin. And the thought was, hey, we could be like Doge, we could be Dogecoin for DeFi, or we could be, you know, the 2020 version of, of this meme coin. And um, that was it. And a lot of people started asking, hey, what's, what is this thing? What's going on? And I'm just trying to tell people like, this is a joke. This was satire. Don't lose your shirt here. There's nothing here. Don't buy meme. And that's where it stuck. It uh, became a hashtag. It became a meme in itself, a meta meme. And that's uh, don'tbuymeme.com. That's I went and bought that domain. It was really just don't buy this thing uh, because it's not. There's nothing here. It's just a joke. Um, however, as as kind of the night progressed, so we're still you know hours removed from that original tweet. It 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 became something that like hey, if this is if my name's attached to this thing, I don't want it to go down like pump and dump territory. I don't want this to be a scam which it could very well turn into at that point, right? I um, instead- hijacked, right? Yeah, and some of these whales and some of these pump and dump groups got, got involved and I'm trying to steer it away from that. Uh, my name is attached because of how it originated. A lot of other people are anonymous. They're in there just to like flip and make some money. I not, did not want that to happen. So I said, hey, if this is a if this is a the DeFi version of Doge, if this is a DeFi meme token, then it should be composable, right? It should be a Lego brick. The uh, kind of the meme of DeFi is that these are money Legos because each of these protocols are composable, right? Everyone's building on each other. These are open source projects, and um, we're kind of forking each other's code and improving the system and kind of growing together as a as an ecosystem. So this should be composable. It should be a platform that other projects could tap into and we can borrow other projects code. So it was like, hey, let's go build something. I am, as we've discussed, I'm a product guy. I'm currently building full-time building products in DeFi. Um, so there was a small group of us that kind of floated to the surface here amongst the the DGENs and traders, and I don't mean that a derogatory term, they will, they will tell you that. Uh, there are actually a few of us here that are builders that um, are smart contract developers that have experience running teams, that have experience running, you know, moderating a telegram group, et cetera. So a, a, several of us kind of took, took it upon ourselves to actually turn this into a real project. So um, it was really just a day later where we started building and 10 days after that original tweet, we had live on mainnet uh, this new protocol that allows a user to uh, kind of mine for NFTs, or it's, it's really something we pioneered, this NFT farming process. So it started out in this joke. It turned into this crazy community that was really close to riding off the rails. And then in just a week and a half later, this 
this this team pioneered like this new mechanism that combines DeFi and NFTs. So it's really this crazy story. I'm even though I just described it, it's it's hard to believe, uh, <laughs> but it's it's been a blast, and we've just been building ever since. Yeah, I mean, this just it's just representative of so many things. It's a great case study for people to learn about, you know, DeFi and NFTs and um, all, all the good stuff and all the, all the bad stuff or the challenges, as you say, you know, the thing, the, the direction that these things can turn, how do you interact with the anonymous or pseudonymous participants in the system? Um, you know, as the game, as the game kind of plays out, but I think it also, it also really speaks to just the, how low the barrier to innovation is and how you can kind of borrow from all these composable elements and, and create something new in, in an evening, right. Or in a, in a week. I mean, it's an insane rate of innovation that, that this permissionless environment gives. And I think in a way it's so 2020 as well, because the fact that we're all locked up um, in this kind of unbroken connection with our devices or of, of virtual communities you know would this pace of innovation happen if 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 we weren't all, all kind of going through this weird covid time um so it almost uh, is is representative of, of wider 2020 and so you know you mentioned for you it's really important that this took the right direction and so you're in the us you're a us citizen we all know the sec is somewhat confused about what's going on, or at least there's a lag, right, between um, where they're acting and um, where the market is. So, you know, they're still kind of cleaning up a lot of the stuff that went on in ICOs, the malpractice. Um, DeFi is going on, and it's probably going to be, you know, at least two years, potentially more, before they even catch up with what's going on in, in this space. You know, were there, were there any concerns as, as somebody that kind of put this out that there could be, the risk of liability, and I ask that not to kind of trip you up, but as an innovator, you know, is as an innovator in the U.S., is are these considerations concerns that, that you have? Yes and no. I would say that, um, well, first off, like our compliance is rock solid. We tell people not to buy. Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. Um, we there is some concern there. Obviously, we want to be careful there, but this is more than like the way it exists right now, it's this decentralized organization. There are token holders, but there's no entity. Um, there's just a couple of builders, but obviously there, that is something that we're aware of and we're trying to stay on top of. I think it's helpful to have um, some kind of connection, whether it's just implied or whether it's just me personally having some, some tie to consensus with the legal team and, uh, you know, some, some help there on that side. As, as we think about next step and ways to scale this thing, do we create a company on top or how do we, how do we take this to the next level? So once that, if, if and when that becomes a reality, then, then of course that's, that becomes something that, that we really need to think seriously about. So I wouldn't say we've written it off. We're in this experimentation mode. So I think it's less of a concern right now, but as this thing grows and scales, it's something that that we'll need to be thinking a lot about. And I guess, you know, you, you have comfort in knowing that you're a good actor um, and, you, you know, you're doing everything you can to make sure that this is a positive experiment. Um, I, I guess, like, 
because it happened so quickly, I mean, you know, if I were in your shoes and all of a sudden this just explodes like it did, as you say, in an evening, right? I mean, the amount of times I put out a tweet uh, drunk and deleted it just because it's like, oh, God. Um, and, you know, that has nowhere near the kind of scale and consequence of, of something like this. Do you think retrospectively you would have chosen anonymity if you knew that it would become what it is? Because I know that that is now um, uh, a consideration for a lot of innovation, innovators, especially in the US in DeFi, if they pre-plan it, that they, 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 they're kind of starting out from a, a pseudonymous perspective. Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, just in general, what would we do differently if we, if, if we could start over? I think there's... Um, something to be said and, and we maybe would have thought about you know maybe <laughs> making you know creating an allocation of the token to allow for a development fund because right now everything's been distributed so it's hard to pay developers right um would i have been anonymous how, how would we have seen the level of its success i think a lot of people would have jumped in look there was there was something about magical this this something magical about the community and the brand that would have seen some success in the early days. Uh, we're, we're seeing that with these copycats, I won't name them, but there are several that, and, and a lot of them are, are doing some interesting things, but with an anonymous founder, it's still, at least from my perspective, from a user's, from on the user's front, it's hard to invest time as a community member. It's hard to invest you know, social capital, uh, it's hard to stick with a project long-term if there's an anonymous founder, because there's no skin in the game. I think there's something about anonymous founders and I, I, I'd like to see that explored a little bit because you're able to do things that you wouldn't otherwise do. You're able to take experiments and take different risks. But what made ours unique is that I was attached to it. Uh, I don't mean to put everything on on me because the community did so the community was able to take this to another level and do things that I wouldn't be able to do, wouldn't have been able to do. But um, I think it gave a lot of people, I guess, some a little bit more confidence in the project that I was that there was a person attached to it and that this person had experience building DeFi products and that in one way or another consensus was somehow attached to it. Even though I tried to separate that early on. Um, so I think, one, especially once we started building a project, we started building the, pro, the protocol, the price started climbing. I think that kind of led to additional hype is that, hey, this is not just another nameless clone. This right. is a real project. So I think there was something there. So, so where does it go next then? So, you know, I, I guess this could go in several different directions. Um, what's on the table? What are you thinking about? Yeah, we didn't get too much into the actual product of staking assets for minting limited NFTs, but I think there's a lot there that's yet to be explored and uh, we'll continue to kind of tap into that. What I found is that we're, we're, we're bringing NFTs and the usefulness and the collectability and this tech that's provable ownership of digital assets, we're bringing that into the DeFi world and that's yet to be really fleshed out. And another, uh, a few other copycat projects and additional spin-off projects and uh, a number of groups are, are innovating in this space. 
But it's really exciting to kind of cross the streams here of NFT and DeFi. So continued exploration there. Um, we're experimenting with exclusive artist drops. In my mind, it's like a supreme sort of hype beast model where there's um, scarcity and consistency of these artist drops, almost like sneaker drops, I think is, is a really cool model to explore. And we're continuing to go down that route. Uh, we're working with our artist Sven and, and trying to uh, explore different art, different um, auction models. Uh, with the success of this artist drop, we're we're receiving a lot of inbound requests from some of the top artists in the digital art space in the NFT world. So it's like experimenting with them. They're actually seeing that this is a model that where they may see a, additional monetization where the kind of revenue per item or revenue per user, you know, whatever, however you want to call it is actually higher on our platform versus others because they're able to really engage the community instead of just selling an NFT to a whale they could come to our platform and uh, really get dozens and hundreds of people involved and everyone's staking for their asset. And everyone feels like they're part of this thing. Um, so they're, they're able to see quite, um, quite a bit more revenue on our platform versus others. So we've built this artist platform. It's continuing to build out this platform and this, this like little mini economy where artists can engage with their, Communities, communities feel like this sense of engagement. And so it's building out that platform. It's working, a, a number of other brands have reached out saying, hey, can we, can we work together? So it's continuing to build on the platform internally, but then potentially some spinoff projects with big brands. I really do see that this is, as mentioned, like this is the bridge towards the average user uh, getting into Web3. So that's the long-term vision. And there are several kind of milestones in between that. And uh, um, a lot of, lot of fun things in store with, with what's to come. Jordan, it's been fascinating talking to you. I think um, what an amazing experiment. Thank you for your candidness as well in talking us through it. And I'm really excited to see what happens next. So thanks again for coming on. Yeah, thanks a lot. My pleasure. That was, that was great. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please make sure you subscribe, rate, and share your feedback to help us reach as many people as possible with the important mission of Web3.